You know, in 1998, I did a cover story for GQ. The title was Youngest Congressman Ever. And since then, every story has tried to explain how I got here so fast. And the, and the word that people kept uh, using was authentic. Uh, but here's the problem. This isn't even my tie. This tie was selected for me by a group of specialists in Tenafly, New Jersey, who chose it over 56 other ties we tested. In fact, our data suggests that I have to stick to either a tie that is red or a tie that is blue. A yellow tie made it look as if I was taking my situation lightly, and I may, in fact, pull my pants down again at any moment. <laughs> a silver tie meant that I'd forgotten my roots my shoes, you know, shiny shoes, we associate with uh, high-priced lawyers and bankers. If you want to get a working man's vote, you need to scuff up your shoes a little bit, but you can't scuff them up so much that you alienate the lawyers and the bankers because you need them to pay for the specialists back in Tenafly. <laughs> so what is the proper scuffing amount? Do you know, we actually paid a consultant $7,300. Was, was it $7,300, Charlie? $7,300 for a consultant to tell us that this is the perfect amount of scuffing. Welcome to year 12 of the main event. First, my first show of 2019. I had a week off and Scott sat in for me and uh, finished out uh, year 11. I uh, opened up with that uh, that that uh, clip from the movie The Adjustment Bureau. Some of you probably remember it. And uh, kind of, I think it goes, goes in, goes in, uh, in, goes perfectly with what's going on now as we watch the posturing and watching the uh, the grandstanding that's going on in Washington DC and uh, you know our government shut down and our uh, and our borders not shut down and what's more important open up keep the border open or keep the government open or close the border close the government quite frankly I don't care if the government ever opens up again we'll find a way around it because our government's too big anyway. And, uh, you know, somebody needs to talk some sense. It's more than politics. It's more than politics out there. It's about keeping our country safe. It's about, uh, you know, doing things that are logical, common sense. And, you know, uh, we're going to talk about all that, all that and all that's going on. But first, let me introduce myself. For those of you who don't know and just suddenly stumbled onto the main event. My name is Ed Hoffman, president of Wholesale Capital Corporation, your local direct mortgage lender located right here in Southern California. Offices all over the place, lending in California, Arizona, Ohio, and Texas right now, soon to be uh, Nevada and Florida, uh, adding those next. If you're interested in getting in involved in any of the fantastic opportunities that are real estate, and there are fantastic opportunities if you don't sit and wait for everybody else to figure it out, 
And if you need financing on those, call me toll free at 855-640-2020. That's 855-640-2020. One last time, day or night, toll free, area code 855-640-2020. If you want to talk to me, get some information, but you don't want to talk on the phone because you're either just don't talk on the phone or, uh, you know, that's harder to explain that stuff in text, but go to our website, WCCLoans.com, www.wccloans.com. Click on looking for a loan. Click on uh, uh, apply now and uh, put in as much information as you want me to have. Tell me how much information you want back. You'll hear back from myself or one of my talented teammates, Eric Marquez, Alex Rojas, Cody Bradbury, Aaron Fredericks, or Randy Johnson, and we will help you find the missing pieces to your real estate financing puzzle. Whether you're looking to buy a new house to live in, uh, buy a new vacation home, buy an uh, uh, investment property, or if you're look, or if you're looking to refinance one you already have, or if you're a senior over 62 and you're uh, wondering about those uh, those things everybody's talking about, that reverse mortgage thing, I don't know. Uh, I had uh, one client say, hey, have you, and I said, hey, have you considered doing a reverse mortgage for this? And they go, oh, no, 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 no. Uh, we want to leave our properties to our kids. Yeah, what does that have to do with anything? So, uh, you know, reverse mortgage is, uh, is something different than some of, if you guys are going, hey, reverse mortgage, that, that's, a, that's a dumb thing to do, then you don't know how it is. And if you want to enhance your retirement, call, call me, 855-640-2020 or WCCLoans.com. If you hear something on the show you want repeated or if you want to hear this over again or if you want to share it with somebody, edhoffman.net, E-D-H-O-F-F-M-A-N.net. Click on the podcast page. You'll have this, this show as well as several past shows. And you can also go to, uh, you can get the podcast on SoundCloud or iTunes where you can subscribe for free, have it download automatically every week. And uh, lastly, if you hear something uh, on the show that you want to make a comment on, call the listener hotline 855-640-2092. All right. So uh, let's talk about what's going on in this week in the, uh, in the, well, this week, the last couple weeks, but I haven't been here for, I wasn't here last week. So uh, let me give you my take on what's happening. The new year started out with the second week of the partial government shutdown. You know what, just so you, just so you remember how, how dignified things are working, you know, uh, just remember in the Obama era, we shut down the government over an argument and he actually put up steel borders around the uh, World War II monument in Washington, D.C. so people couldn't walk in. And it's not a question of, hey, we can't keep this open because there's no uh, there's no security here. The World War II monument is a big concrete and marble and and uh, water. It's a fountain that is just wide open. It's wide open and there's uh, tributes and and pictures and and, you know, it's it's outside. There's no need for anything there. There's you know, there's a fountain that runs. And they actually put up steel barriers around it so that you couldn't get in it. Uh, and then he stopped the White House tours. And uh, you know, it's, there's a guy who just wants to to show his show his uh, his power as opposed to hey, let's get something done. And and I think we're seeing the rest of the Democrats do the same thing. So uh, so the the uh, the second week uh, at the center of the day of the debate of on the reopening of the government is still. The five billion dollars that the president needs for the border wall, which seems like a spoonful of water out of the ocean, you know, in the, in the compared to what we spend money on, and and all, and I said this about three weeks ago, um, the State Department actually sent four point eight billion dollars down to uh, South America, it was five point eight billion down to South America to help to help improve conditions in uh, in South America, so people wouldn't want to 
wouldn't need to come up to America and uh, trying to improve their lives. And they had put another $4.8 billion to Southern Mexico for security and improving conditions there. So we spent $11 billion on that for other countries treating the symptoms, but we didn't, we did, we don't want to spend anything that actually gives us something permanent, a wall. We know we can spend a, a billion dollars a year on, uh, on uh, border security, but if we put up a wall for whatever it costs, it lasts forever. And I'm sure people will, will bust it down or they'll, they'll damage it and they'll have to be up, you know, kept up at times. But you know what? That's, think about what Obama did. He spent $10 trillion of our money and we got nothing for it. He didn't build up the military. He didn't build a wall. He didn't fix the infrastructure. He didn't uh, put it towards getting us energy independent. We just gave money away. So where did we end up eight years after Obama took office? No better than where we started, except for $10 trillion more in debt. So now we have a businessman in the in the uh, in the White House, and it's time for us to start thinking clearly. Clearly, that is not uh, based on what we saw on November sixth uh, in California. Clearly, that's uh, thinking clearly and with common sense isn't something that we do here in California very often. But it's something we need to start. The Democrats went on vacation for the holidays, but President Trump skipped his annual trip to Mar-a-Lago, which is his uh, resort in Florida. Uh, choosing to stay in the in Washington, D.C. and trying to get a deal done that would uh, reopen the government and fund border security. On New Year's Eve, the president spoke to Pete Hegseth on Fox News. I spent Christmas in the White House. I spent uh, New Year's Eve now in the White House. And, uh, you know, I'm here. I'm ready to go. It's very important. A lot of people are looking to get mm-hmm. their paycheck. And uh, so I'm ready to go anytime they want. No, we are not giving up. We have to have border security. And the wall is a big part of border security, the biggest part. And as a mortgage lender, am I affected by this? Of course I am. Uh, FHA is uh, pretty much shut down, so uh, uh, so there's a lot of things that we can't can't get done from FHA because it's uh, they're not working. Uh, getting tax transcripts out of the uh, IRS for for uh, quality control, uh, those aren't available. There's a bunch of stuff that's not available that are keeping us. We can't get flood certificates out of FEMA. Um, so there's stuff that's gonna that's gonna hurt. The mortgage industry, but you know what? If if they'll come up with something, they'll come up with something to keep everything going. I just don't see. I just don't see that that this uh, is a fight that we have to uh, that Trump needs to to back off on. You know, and say, hey, you know what? The, the government shut down. This needs to get resolved. But you know, it wasn't quite that important to the Democrats for them to not take their vacation, where Trump stayed in town and said, you know what? I've had I've had vacations. Hey, you know what? Uh, Don and I usually leave for the week between Christmas and New Year's, but you know, a couple years ago I said, Hey, there's too much going on. We can't go. And we just, we just stayed and worked. And that's just how it is. We'll take a, we'll take an extra weekend or an extra, an extra couple of weekends when, when things aren't so hectic or so chaotic. So we just, that's just how it is. That's how it is when you're, when you're a leader. Um, you know, Pelosi went to Hawaii. She didn't care. So, you know, I think, uh, you know, your actions speak so loud, uh, so loudly that I don't hear the words that you say. I think people should start paying attention to that. So uh, Nancy Pelosi uh, sauntered back into town on Wednesday, relaxed from her vacation in Hawaii, the eve, uh, on the eve of taking the gavel back as speaker. In an interview with Savannah Guthrie on uh, uh, NBC, she said the president wasted his time by trying to make a deal. 
Are you willing to come up and give him some of this money for the wall? Because no. apparently that's the sticking no. point. No, nothing for the wall. We're talking about border security. There is no amount of persuasion he can do to say to us, we want you to do something that is not effective, that costs billions of dollars, uh, that sends the wrong message about who we are. Yeah, well, uh, it's not effective. Well, all evidence to the contrary, because all the other countries that have walls uh, seem to uh, be effective. Um, apparently, uh, Barack Hussein Obama and his uh, wife have a 10-foot wall around their mansion in uh, in uh, Washington, D.C. It seems to be working for them for security. Seems to be, you know, I have, I you know, we keep our doors locked at our house. It seems to keep people out um, when we're gone. Uh, and even when we're there, you know, it's, it's it's easier to sleep when you know that someone's not going to walk in your house without having to to make enough noise to wake you up. It's uh it makes just makes you feel good, you know, just having having your doors locked, being secure. Um, as always, the Democrats were unified on on this. Here's a uh, Chucky e. Schumer on the twelfth twelfth day of the shutdown. Our last meeting, the president said, "I am going to shut the government down." They are now feeling the heat. It is not helping the president. It is not helping the Republicans to be the owners of this shutdown. Do you notice it's not about how do we solve the the border problems? It's not about how do we keep our country safe? It's not about how we get people back to work. It's not about anything productive with our country, which is all we pay senators and and, and uh, Congress people and the president to do is to to effectively run our country. It's nothing about that. It's about who to blame. That's all Schumer wants to talk about. Uh, Bring a dose of reality to the situation where the newly elected minority leader and the minority whip of the House, Kevin McCarthy and Steve Scalise. I think at the end of the day, the president listening to him, he wants to solve this as well. That's why he's asked us to come back Friday after uh, the leadership races. The president and vice president stayed here over the Christmas holidays, and there was absolutely no negotiation from the other side. So they want to keep delaying and have a government shutdown while President Trump has said he wants to secure the border. You know, uh, you know, leaders, leaders lead, leaders lead. You know, if you own a, if you own a company, you can, you can get a, you can get away with working half days, you know, any 12 hours a day you want. Um, you know, the leaders are the, are the, uh, are the first ones to work and the last ones to leave work. And they're the last ones to get paid. And, uh, apparently the Democrats don't understand. Hey, I got elected, man. Elections have consequences, you know, uh, I'm going to Hawaii, and I'm bringing all the all the expense, and I'm and I guarantee you that that uh, the government and the taxpayers paid for for Nancy Pelosi's trip to Hawaii, and all the Secret Service that have to uh, protect her, and all that stuff. And you know, is there any is there any real concern? There's there's a government shutdown. There's people that are that need to get back to work, and there's things that need to get accomplished. And it's just about winning. It's just about winning. It has nothing to do with what we need. Just before midnight on Thursday, the House Democrats passed a bill that would reopen the government and provide stopgap funding for the Department of Homeland Security, but deny the president any of his uh, funding for the wall. Was It was already anticipated that this is what the Democrats would do, since they said so all week long. So the president made it clear on Thursday that he intended to veto the legislation. In fact, he un- he unexpectedly appeared at the White House press briefing that morning to reiterate his position. We need protection in our country. We're going to make it good. Uh, The people of our country want it. I have never had so much support as I have in the last week over my stance for border security, for border control, and for, frankly, the wall or the barrier. 
I have never had anything like it in terms of calls coming in, in terms of people writing in and tweeting and doing whatever they have to do. I've never had this much support. You know what? Uh, I, I'm, I'm 100% behind Trump on this. We need the wall. We need it needs to be there. It'll be there for for generations. It'll be there forever. And let's spend the money on something that is gonna gonna give us some value and it's gonna give us some protection. Let's not just keep ignoring. Well, the experts say the experts say you don't need a wall. You can do it with technology. Well, I don't know who those experts are, but uh, you know, Chucky e. Schumer. I don't think he's ever held a job other than being. Uh, a political person. I don't think he's ever held a held a job. And why do we ask politicians to solve the problems when they don't have any idea what to do? You know, you think about in the in Trump's Art of the Deal, the chapter one talks about the uh, the ice skating rink in Central Park and how the the city of uh, New York City was spent gazillions of dollars and you know ten or eight or ten years or something and, and they haven't been able to fix it. Trump said, hey, I'll take it over and I'll I'll get it done for you. And uh and they finally let him do it. And he goes, let's see, who knows about ice skating rinks? Uh people in Canada, hockey people. So he calls some some people come down from uh Canada and you know in less than I think it took less than a year, they had the whole thing fixed for a fraction of what their of what their uh uh what their budget was. I mean this is what you do. You need to solve a financial problem. You need someone who understands finances. You need to solve a solve a you know a military problem. You need to you need someone who has that kind of experience, and you call in the experts. Okay, Chucky e. Schumer, Nancy Pelosi, all they know how to do is is skim money off the top and cause problems. It's all about keeping our job. It's not nothing about doing our job. So hours later, after the president, in hours later, the president invited Democrats back to the White House for a closed door Situation Room meeting. Also invited was Department of Homeland Security Secretary Kristen Nielsen, Kirsten Nielsen, uh, who the president asked to to brief the Democrats on what they're allowing at the border by ref, by refusing to back the wall. No media was allowed in the room, but White House White House Deputy Press Secretary Hogan. Gidley spoke about what happened. He says Chuck and Nancy worked together to shut uh, Secretary Nielsen down. What the president did today was monumental. He brought them to the White House, to the Situation Room, to have a conversation with Secretary Nielsen so she could brief them on all the crisis that's going on on the border. These numbers are devastating, they are sad, they are needless, and they are senseless. And Democrats wanted nothing to do with it. In fact, the president opened the meeting. He then turned to Secretary Nielsen, introduced her, and said now she's going to begin her briefing. Within five seconds, Chuck Schumer prompted Nancy Pelosi to cut Secretary Nielsen off, which she dutifully did within seconds, and then the entire uh, presentation was basically over. Yeah, it's uh, it's you know nobody they don't want to hear any, any of the facts. They just want they're just playing politics. Uh, Secretary Kirsten Nielsen uh, tweeted out, "I'm disappointed that the Democrats did not want to hear from the Department of Homeland Security about the security and humanitarian crisis we are facing at the border. They didn't want to hear about criminal aliens, drug smugglers, smuggled and abused children, or violent caravans trying to breach the border wall. So they they don't even want to hear any of this stuff. And you know this is all this has nothing to do." with anything but politics because uh all these people you know here's here's let me this is uh think about this is what chuck schumer this here's a here's a video or here's a video here's a clip of chuck schumer just a couple of just a few years ago know that keeping our borders safe from dangerous gang members drug dealers and human traffickers is critical we let cross the border millions who take jobs away from american workers 
I want to make it extremely clear that first and foremost, we are committed to ending the waves of illegal immigration that we've seen in the last 30 years. Crossing the border without permission from the government is a crime. When we, when we catch someone crossing the border, prosecute them and deport them, we are solving the crime and punishing the criminal. Yeah, well, that was uh, a few years ago. Here's uh, Schumer last week. President Trump, you will not get your wall. Abandon your shutdown strategy. You're not getting the wall today, next week, or on January 3rd when Democrats take control of the House. And in fact, if you go back and listen to, here's a, here's a compilation of... Uh, of quotes from uh, speeches from uh, Bill Clinton and Barack Obama and Hillary Clinton. And I think that's all the, all the people in this clip, but let me play this. We are a nation of immigrants and we should all be proud of it. But we're also a nation of laws. It is wrong and ultimately self-defeating for a nation of immigrants to permit the kind of abuse of our immigration laws not only in the states most heavily affected, but in every place in this country are rightly disturbed by the large numbers of illegal aliens entering our country. That's why our administration has moved aggressively to secure our borders more, by hiring a record number of new border guards, by deporting twice as many criminal aliens as ever before. Families who enter our country the right way and play by the rules watch others flout the rules. People who enter the United States without our permission are illegal aliens, and illegal aliens should not be treated the same as people who entered the U.S. legally. And because we live in an age where terrorists are challenging our borders, we cannot allow people to pour into the U.S. undetected, undocumented, and unchecked. We've got to do several things, and I am, you know, adamantly against illegal immigrants. Certainly, we've got to do more at our borders, and people have to stop employing illegal immigrants. And we're working to make sure that we have sufficient facilities to detain, house, and process them appropriately. And it is unlikely that their children will be able to stay. And I've asked parents across Central America not to put their children in harm's way. And does it make you wonder, what happened? What happened? If that's your attitude back then, what happened? Oh, I'm sorry. Trump's getting stuff done and it makes you guys look bad because you didn't get anything done all those years. Oh, so you know what? You got to be able to look past this stuff. You know, uh, how are those, how are those shiny shoes? Is he wearing shiny shoes or are they scuffed up a little bit? They're not too scuffed. So they're okay for the rich people and they are scuffed a little bit. So they're okay for the poor people. All they're doing is playing politics because you know what? They're paying themselves. They're having fun with our money. It's our money. All the money that we pay in taxes, it's our money, and they're just they're just squandering it. So keep your eyes open, everyone. Keep your eyes open as to what's going on here because you know, you can listen to the Democrats all day long, but they're talking out they're talking out the sides of their mouth. It, this, you know what? The one thing I like about Trump, if he says it, he believes it. If he believes it, he says it. You know, he's uh you know, he, it's it's transparent. You know, I want to know where where people are coming from and hey, you know, don't don't blow smoke up my butt and tell me tell me what you think I want to hear. Tell me the truth. Is I mean, is that too much to ask from from our leaders? Uh you know what's it's scary. It's scary what's happening in this country. It's scary what's happening in this country. So, 
let me see how far I can get into this before we go to the break. Uh, the 116th Congress convened on Thursday, so all the new uh, House of Representatives and all the new senators got sworn in, sworn in on uh, on Thursday. Um, swearing in seven new senators, five Democrats and two Republicans, and 52 new representatives, Congress people, 25 Democrats and 27 Republicans. Also taking place was the was the retaking of the gavel by Nancy Pelosi, who called the House to order. Uh, flanked by some of her favorite political props, which I'm looking at the picture and I watched the video going, what is the point of this? She's surrounded by all these little kids. I now call the House to order on behalf of all of America's children. It's amazing. It's amazing. I, you know, I'm almost out of time here for part one. So I'm going to just say that, you know, this is if, if you look at this, I don't know what the, the point of that is. That's supposed to make people with kids feel better. I'm not sure. But we'll talk more about the Democrats retaking the Congress uh, after the break. So stay tuned for uh, five minutes of traffic, weather, sports, commercials. And uh, I'll be right back uh, recapping the last, uh, last week in America. I'll be right back. Welcome back to part two of the main event. My name is Ed Hoffman, president of Wholesale Capital Corporation, your local direct mortgage lender. I don't talk a lot about real estate and financing on this show because uh, the last 11 years has taught me that uh, you guys, if you're not in the market, you think it's boring. And if you are in the market, all you want to know is who can I call that I trust? And uh, so you want you want someone that thinks like you. So if you're listening to this show and it sounds like you and I think alike, and you need some real estate financing, uh, buying, refinancing, uh, whatever you whatever you need, reverse mortgage, call me toll free at eight five five six four zero twenty twenty. That's eight five five six four zero twenty twenty. One last time, eight five five six four zero twenty twenty. And the website is WCC Loans. So uh, we've been talking about. The wall, the government shutdown, and uh, th- that the Democrats uh, took over took over control of the House of Representatives uh, this uh, Thursday. Um, we talked about how uh, Nancy Pelosi uh, surrounded herself by kids. They look like they're about uh, six years old to about twelve years old, all dressed up nice and pretty, and uh, and they're all standing around her. And she opened up, she reopened the Congress on behalf of America's children. Oh, geez. It's just so touching. Makes my heart quiver. Maybe not. And, uh, and in, case you, in case you were unaware of how historic all this is, PMSNBC wants to make sure you know how historic it is. It's been more than 50 years since the speaker regained the gavel. But today is historic for many more reasons. The 116th Congress includes more than 100 women, a new record for this nation. Women like Deb Holland of New Mexico and Sharice Davids of Kansas, the first Native American women to serve in Congress. Women, women like Ilan Omar and Rashida Tlaib, the first Muslim women to serve in Congress. Yeah, I don't know how this isn't considered sexist or racist, any of this comment. And, uh, you know, the, 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 uh, the bigness of how someone retaking the gavel after 50 years, especially someone who's uh, 78 years old, a little disconnected, a little bit senile. Uh, if you watch her, she's uh, she's clearly not 
have not she's not as sharp as a she's not the sharpest tool in the shed how did she get back there i think she's connected to the mafia and everybody's afraid to vote against her all the democrats are afraid to vote against her and they're afraid to cross her because she's got friends she's got friends that will uh take care of some business her and uh, hillary clinton cut from the same cloth probably went to the same uh to the same school of uh of dirty of dirty politics um it continues this Congress also has the largest Congressional Black Caucus ever, 55 members. The largest Congressional Hispanic Caucus, too, 37 strong. Iowa elected women to Congress for the first time. Texas elected its first Hispanic woman to federal office. And Florida elected the first South American member of Congress. Massachusetts and Connecticut elected their first black congresswoman. And New Jersey elected its first Asian American congressman. New Hampshire, Minnesota, and Kansas have their first openly gay representatives, and California has its first bisexual congresswoman. This is the 116th Congress, the diverse representatives of a diverse nation. Doesn't that make you feel better that we elected our first bisexual congressman? Doesn't it make you feel good to know that we have a congress lady that, well, gets uh, does uh, some has uh, sexual relations with both men and women. It just makes you feel good all... It makes you feel American to know that. You know what? Uh, doesn't it make you feel good to know that they they nominated an, an Asian American in whatever state it was, New Jersey, for the first time, or an openly gay person in one of these, or Muslim people? Do You, you know what? We, we, we brought in a South, someone from South America to help lead America. Wait, we brought people from outside the country that were raised in different different uh different uh cultures so that they can help lead our culture. What about this doesn't just doesn't make me feel good. You know what? If there if if you came from some other place and you came here now you're an American. If you're if you're black American or a white American or a brown American, you're an American. Why is nobody call, if a if a Republican would have made these statements, we would have talked about how divisive and how racist these comments were. Oh, because we didn't comment, we didn't call this person a congressperson or a congresswoman. We called them a black congresswoman. We called them a openly gay congressperson. We called them an Asian American congressperson. You're you're defining them by their by their uh, by their ethnicity. But it's okay for PMS, NBC, or anybody else. Uh, on the Democrat side. You know what? Just do you see where this is going? You know what? I, I am not a prejudiced person. I don't, you know, I don't, you know, if we want to have a black president, I'm okay with a black president. Just get put one in there that's got a brain. Want to have a woman president? I don't have a problem with a woman president. Put someone in who's got a brain. You know, you want to have uh, whoever, whoever. Just, I don't want to, I don't want to talk about someone who defines themselves by the color of their skin. Or, you know, whether they're whether the shape of their eyes or what they do in the bedroom. Because I don't care. You guys don't know what I do in the bedroom when I get in there with my wife. And you don't care. It doesn't define me. doesn't define my wife. And it shouldn't define anybody else. And, but this keeps getting rubbed in our noses. And you know what? Hey, live and let live. But come on. Stop rubbing it. Rubbing our faces in it. So let's continue. Mitt Romney is, uh, Mitt Romney is now a senator. Uh, the former Massachusetts governor who lost the presidency to Barack Hussein Obama in 2012 returns to public office this week as a freshman senator for the state of Utah. So he was the he was the governor of Massachusetts. 
He was the, and now he's a senator in Utah. He had built some big house in San Diego that apparently has a, a car elevator in it. You pull your car in and then it moves it upstairs or something. Uh, in case you want to have your car in your, so this guy's, a, this guy's a, a gazillionaire and, uh, and you know, he's a, he's a Mormon boy, which means he should uh, be polite and, uh, and dedicated and have good morals. And, uh, but, uh, but he got brought in as a center. So in a blistering op-ed published in the Washington Post, Romney made it clear that becoming a Republican member of the Senate makes no difference in how he feels about President Donald Trump. Maybe Romney still has a chip on his shoulder over not being appointed as Secretary of State, or maybe he's just trying to prove something to Democrats. Either way, he comes off as a dis- as disloyal to his party. Uh, here's here's some of the op-ed that they published on Wednesday, and I will read. Uh, Mitt Romney, Republican from Utah and his party's 2012 nominee for president, uh, will be sworn in to U.S. Senate on Thursday. The Trump presidency has made a deep descent in December. The departures of Defense Secretary Jim Mattis and White House Chief of Staff John Kelly, the appointment of senior persons of lesser experience, the abandonment of allies who fight beside us, and the president's thoughtless claim that America has long been a sucker in world affairs all defined his presidency down. Well, I don't know that they defined his presidency down. Um, he's, I think uh, Trump is a man for his time, and uh, he's, doing, he's doing what he needs to do. He's standing up to what he, what he uh, got elected for, and sometimes it's just not very politically correct. Okay, continuing with Mitt Romney's. It is well known that Donald Trump was not my choice for Republican presidential nomination. After he became nominee, I hoped his campaign would refrain from, res- from resentment and name-calling. It did not. When he won the election, I hoped he would rise to the occasion. His early appointments of Rex Tillerson, Jeff Sessions, Nikki Haley, Gary Cohn, H.R. McMasters, Kelly, and Mattis were encouraging. But on the balance, his conduct over the last two years, particularly his actions last month, is evidence that the president has not risen to the mantle of his office. So, in my opinion, in my opinion, if we had anybody in the White House that was any less brutal, any less of a fighter, um, they would have already been eaten alive by the Democrats because you see, you see what Trump's gone through. He's been in there for two years. For two years, they're they're uh, investigating him. Uh, you know, day one, they're 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 campaigning to to uh, impeach him. Uh, they're investigating his kids. They're doing they're doing everything. They're doing everything they can to not try and press America forward. And I think that's the the job of our leaders is, hey, you're here, you're here to help lead our country forward. And, uh, and you know, again, I think Trump is a, a man, a man for his time. I think that, uh, I think, you know what, the first time I heard Jeb Bush talk, I liked him. I said, Hey, this is, this is a, he speaks well. He, you know, he seems to understand things and I liked him. Um, when you see him, you know, uh, Ben Carson, I, I love Ben Carson. You know, if I think you take everybody else off the stage, this is a, this is a guy who's a, who's a great leader and, and smart, but you know, when you get him on stage with everybody, everybody else is sucking all the air out of the room and you couldn't, he couldn't stand up. And I think based on how vicious politics have become, I don't think anyone else would have lasted. I don't think anyone, Hey, we're getting energy independent. We're drilling in, in Alaska. We're drilling all over the country. The, the pipeline is going, um, the, you know, jobs are, are jobs are staying in, in, in United States when they were about to move out. Regulations are being cut. Uh, uh, unemployment is way down. Uh, everything, this isn't an accident. 
And you say, well, look at the look at the stock market. You know, the stock market is an, an indication of what people think is going to happen. You know, people buy and sell based on their emotions. So what goes on is is what goes on. We the the speculators, the people that invest in stocks, the day traders, they they make moves based on what they think is about to happen. It's not an indication of what's happening. It's an indication of what people think is going to happen. So if you look at that and just go, hey, look at look at the stock market dropped 3,000 or 5,000 points in the last few months. Okay, there's some turmoil going on, and the speculators are are getting nervous about it. And it goes up 1,000 points and comes down 600 points. And it goes up, up 200 points and comes down 300 points. You know what? That's because nobody knows what's going on. Nobody knows what Trump knows. Nobody knows what's going on behind the scenes, and they're getting nervous. And that's what that that's not the indication of how the economy is doing. The unemployment rate is an indication. The the gross national product. There's a whole bunch of different indicators that'll. And you know, if you just look, oh look at that stock market, we're falling apart. No, we're not. No, we're not. We're solid. We are solid. Um. So I think any any less any less of somebody, uh, you know, you hear all this stuff on the news and you think. Trump go, okay, I'm pulling out of Syria. Oh, no, I'm not pulling out of Syria. I, I guess that was a mistake. You know, he's he's listens to those people, but you know, when he knows he's right, he's right. He's standing, he's standing by his uh by his guns and he know and he's got good people, you know. Oh, he's putting tariffs, it's gonna create trade wars across the world. Guess what? There needs to be. We can't keep being the doormat of the rest of the world. At some point you need to take a take a stand and it, sometimes it has to get worse before it gets better. But you know what? Our president's supposed to lead. Our Congress is supposed to lead. Our Senate's supposed to lead. They're not leading. They're just they're just milking our country in our our big uh, pool of cash that we pay in our in our paychecks. There's there's just to have fun and grandstand. They're getting nothing done. Rana Rana Romney McDaniel, Republican National Committee Chair, happens to be Mitt Romney's niece. Here's how she responded on Twitter to her uncle's scathing critique of uh, of the president. President of the United States is attacked and obstructed by the, the mainstream media and Democrats 24-7. For an incoming Republican freshman senator, she's referring to her uncle as an incoming freshman senator, to attack Donald Trump as their first act feeds into what the Democrats and the media want, and it's disappointing and unproductive. Well, hey, there's your there's your niece, uh, Mitt. You know, I'm disappointed because I was really a supporter of Mitt Romney. And uh, and I thought it was sad that he lost to Obama simply because someone caught him on caught him on uh, on video telling the truth. I don't know that 47 percent of the people don't pay any taxes in this country. So we're not going to get any of their votes. Um, And somebody's oh, look, he's talking. He doesn't care about those people because he's not going to get their votes. Well, it's true. They don't pay any taxes. The president was asked by reporters to respond to Mitt Mitt Romney's uh, op ed on Wednesday. Here's what he said. I wish Mitt could be more of a team player. You know, I'm surprised he did it this quickly. I was expecting something, but I'm surprised he did it this quickly. But I am surprised because we've done a lot. And he actually says it. I read his op-ed. If he fought really hard against President Obama like he does against me, he would have won the election. Yep, I agree. So uh, Mitt made a big speech. Mitt made a big speech, if you remember, right before Trump clinched the nomination. I mean, it was about an hour-long speech about what a what a piece of garbage Trump was, and we couldn't trust him, and this and that. Made a big speech to make sure that people would go out and vote for uh, John Kasich instead, or uh, Ted Cruz. 
And uh, then uh, then after he uh, after Trump got the the nomination, he got elected. Then he sucked up to Trump, wanting to be Secretary of State. And then when uh, he wasn't chosen by uh, Mitt Romney to it wasn't chosen by uh, by Trump to be the Secretary of State, um, he decided to run for for Senate. And uh, Trump endorsed him, and he accepted that endorsement. But as soon as he won, then he goes back and turns his back on uh, Trump and stabs him in the back. So you know what, Mitt Romney, you can say what you want. You can talk about how 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 your nice family is so clean living and everything's wonderful, and you're such a good businessman and you're so good looking. But you know what, your actions speak so loudly. We don't hear the words you say. You can't be trusted. Okay, so uh, let's talk about the uh, the last big thing uh, that I'm going to talk about today is Elizabeth Warren. Um, speaking of senators who are out of their depth, Elizabeth Warren became the first to announce her unofficial candidacy for 2020 election. In an email sent to supporters, how did she know who does email for her supporters? I don't know. So on New Year's Eve, Warren announced she is launching an exploratory committee, which candidates are required to do in order to start raising money. The senator said she will decide formally on running for president sometime in 2019. The email reads, I'm forever, forever grateful that I got a chance to go to college for $50 a semester. Hmm. She's only about 11 years older than me, 12 years older than me, and it was more than $50 a semester for me. Uh, okay. So I don't know how she got to do that. A chance that opened a million doors for me. I'm grateful and I'm determined. That's why I fight my heart out so that everyone gets a real chance in life, a chance to build something solid, a chance to create their piece of the American dream. And that's why today I'm launching an exploratory committee for president in 2020. Accompanying the email was a well-produced video, of course. Let's examine it. It's probably, it's, you know, this it seems like, uh, seems like I've seen the same video uh, a few times from uh, Elizabeth Warren, but let's, uh, you know, she modified it a little bit. Let's examine it one piece at a time. In our country, if you work hard and play by the rules, you ought to be able to take care of yourself and the people you love. That's a fundamental promise of America, a promise that should be true for everyone. Growing up in Oklahoma, that promise came through for me and my family. After my older brothers joined the military and I was still just a kid, my daddy had a heart attack and couldn't work. My mom found a minimum wage job at Sears, and that job saved our house and our family. Oh my God, that is so monumental. It's so it's so much different than today. So I looked it up. The median price of a house in Oklahoma in uh, 2000, in 1919, I just went back like 1968 because she was just a kid. So she's she's uh, 69 now. So went back 50 years. So uh, 50 years when she's 50. I mean, if we go back any farther, then the, the prices are even lower. But median price of a house in 1968 was 25,000 bucks, which means there's a whole bunch of houses that are a little bit more expensive and a whole bunch that are a little less expensive. So uh, 25,000. So if you had a $25,000 mortgage for 30 years at 8% back then, your uh, payment's $183.44. $183.44 was a house payment back then. Uh, at 6% would have been $149. And uh, I'm talking to Dan, uh, my engineer at, here at the radio station. He goes, well, did they have 30-year mortgages back then? So let's talk about a 10-year mortgage. A 10-year mortgage at 8%, the payment would be three hundred three thirty-two, And at 6% would be uh, two seventy-seven fifty-five. So uh, then I looked at minimum wage for Oklahoma in 1968, $1.60 an hour. 
So if you worked 40 hours a week at a buck 60 an hour, that's 277.39. So uh, you're you basically could make make the payment on a, a principal interest payment on a 10 year mortgage uh, in Oklahoma at that time for minimum wage. Let's talk about today. Today the minimum wage is 12 bucks, which means uh, minimum wage is uh, 2,080 per per month. Um, and today interest rates are about 5%. What would 2,080 buy? $385,000. 385, that would make the payment on a 385,000. Oh my goodness. You should be able to work minimum wage. Well, the the other issue is you got to pay taxes and insurance and you got to eat and you got to, uh, pay for your car and you got to pay for this and pay for that. You know, it's, you know, the reasons that the reasons that some people, uh, manage that are manage well, with what they do, either they work their way up to a higher paying job or they live within their means. You know, if you can't afford to live in Southern California, you can move to Arizona. You can move to New Mexico. You can move to Oklahoma. It's cheaper there. And, you know, if you don't have the ability to, to, and then, then as you, as you increase your skills, as you work your way up the ladder or go to, or educate yourself, you know, the opportunities are the same for everybody. The outcome is not the same for everybody because not everybody takes advantage of the opportunities or not everybody works as hard as they need to. Next, she talked about the career she might not have had if she hadn't uh, made exaggerated claims about her ethnicity to get a teaching position at Harvard. I've spent my career getting to the bottom of why America's promise works for some families, but others who work just as hard slip through the cracks into disaster. And what I've found is terrifying. These aren't cracks that families are falling into, they're traps. America's middle class is under attack. How do we get here? Billionaires and big corporations decided they wanted more of the pie, and they enlisted politicians to cut them a fatter slice. They crippled unions so no one could stop them. We're going to turn the bull loose. Dismantled the financial rules meant to keep us safe after the Great Depression and cut their own taxes so they paid less than their secretaries and janitors. That is such bull. That is such bull. Why do some people work work hard and they make it and some people work hard, work just as hard and they don't make it? Because they don't work just as hard. They don't they go to work for eight hours a day and they do what they do. And then then it's after you after you get done working, what do you do to improve your situation? Do you take classes to educate yourself? Do you work some extra hours on the side? Do you work a second job? Do you do this? Do you do that? And what do you do with your money after you're done paying your bills? Do you save some and put it away? If you read a book called The Millionaire Next Door, you'll find out that the majority of millionaires in this country are not movie stars and sports stars. They're family, they're 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 immigrant families that own 7-Elevens and own little businesses and restaurants and they work up, they work them and their families work them and they live below their means. Hey, we made $10,000 this month, but we're going to live on two. We're going to put money in the bank. We're not going to go buy a new car because our old car runs fine. We're going to do this. And they live within their means. It's not a question of, of the opportunities aren't good enough. It's a question of your commitment's not good enough. And the fact that the opportunity is the same for everybody is what makes America great. If you want to be more than what you are today, all you can do is work harder, work smarter, educate yourself. And there's opportunities everywhere. All you got to do is reach out and go for it. Um, you know, hey, the unions, uh, we're crippling the unions from protecting people. You know what? I said this a million times. 
Uh, they looked at when uh, when uh, General Motors and uh, General Motors and Chrysler and uh, Ford were hurting, and the and the uh, well, Ford didn't go through bankruptcy, but uh, but Chrysler and General Motors did. You know, uh, there was a uh, a book that uh, Lee Iacocca wrote called "Where Have All the Leaders Gone?" And uh, in that, he says, you know what? If you look at Toyota, Toyota, uh, you know, sold a hundred million cars. Uh, this past year, and General Motors sold 100, 100 million cars, and Toyota made you know uh, billions of dollars in in profits, and General Motors lost. And the reason is is because the unions cripple General Motors. The unions just think about putting another government entity in there. They collect all these dues, they spend it on what they want. They can they they make contracts that make it impossible for the for uh, the auto work, the auto companies to make a profit, so they can pay everybody for doing nothing. And billionaires make it paying less less taxes than their secretaries or their janitors. That's just bull. Okay, so don't listen to all that stuff. Finally, Elizabeth Warren talked about how she contributed to the business killing regulations implemented after the financial collapse 10 years ago. After Wall Street crashed our economy in 2008, I left the classroom to go to Washington and confront the broken system head on. Elizabeth Warren, apparently not afraid to tangle with Wall Street. Elizabeth Warren is heading into the lion's den. Mrs. Warren goes to Washington. She did. We created America's first consumer watchdog to hold the big banks accountable. Yeah, you uh, you made the overreach that almost that almost killed the mortgage industry and the banking industry and a lot of the financial industry and uh, crippled it. But you know what? The funniest part, if that wasn't cringeworthy enough, was uh, uh, she wanted to try and look relatable. So Warren did an Instagram live stream and featured her casually retrieving this very casually retrieving a beer from the kitchen as a reluctant husband looked on. Hold on a sec. I'm gonna get me um, a beer. My husband Bruce okay. is now in here. Um, you want a beer? No, I'll pass on the beer for now. You sure? Okay, okay. say hello to folks. Yes. So hey. this is my sweetie. Hello. Um, he's <laughs> and I'm oh, crazy. Yeah. I love you. I love you too. Hey. Thank you for being here. Pleasure. I'm glad you're here. Yeah. Enjoy your beer. What a moron! And if you watch it, you find it on Instagram or on the internet somewhere. She drinks a beer like it was the first time she's ever drank beer. Very unnatural. Very uncomfortable. Very moronic, folks. Keep your eyes open, see clearly, and uh, keep listening to the main event, and I'll keep making sure you understand what you're seeing is not what, what you think you are seeing. Anyway, hey, thanks for listening to the main event. My name's Ed Hoffman, and I'll be back again with you next week. The views expressed on this program are Ed Hoffman and his invited guests and do not necessarily reflect the views or policies of Full Sail Capital Corporation. WCC is licensed by the California Bureau of Real Estate Broker License Number 01147747 NMLS9873 and California Finance Lenders License Number 603K610. Also licensed in Arizona by the Arizona Department of Financial Institutions. NMLS9373464.